Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mod. Welcome in to College Soccer Nation on this rainy Monday night in Mississippi. My name is Matt Mott. I'm here with SMU gaffer, Chris Petroselli. Chris, how, how's the weather in Dallas? It's nice, man. Nice and sunny, hot like <laughs> usual. Um, but it's, it's not so nice in uh, Louisiana and Mississippi. No. no. Hurricane Ida is making some ruckus amongst the, uh, the, the, the countryside for sure. And, you know, I've got um, Richard Beebe is my volunteer coach. He's from Homa, uh, which I, I, before I met him, I've never heard of it. And then all of a sudden it's all over the news, right. With the, yeah. with the craziness, luckily his family's good. They've got two generators yeah. and, and yeah. they're safe, but no, no cell phones, no, uh, no water. They, they do have some issues uh, nobody in or out for 72 hours. So it's uh it's a big storm, and you know I'm looking out my window, and it's pouring here in Oxford right now. Yeah, it's affected our family too. My daughter, um, as we've talked about before, lives in New Orleans, and she evacuated, um, took her dogs, and and uh, jumped in the car. It took her 11 hours to get here to Dallas. Usually, that's about a seven-hour drive. Um, so she's here for we don't know how long. Um, we know her house is okay. She did get some video of her house, but obviously the power's out and. Um, you know, uh, our boyfriend who plays for the Saints, the Saints moved from from New Orleans to Dallas as well. Um, so he's going to be here for I don't who knows how long. You know, it'll be interesting to see what what they do because if there's there's no power, you know, they certainly aren't aren't going back to practice in the Superdome and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and, and you know, that's the kind of thing we're seeing: no power, uh, trees down, all that kind of stuff, flooding. Uh, mm-hmm. You've seen that all over Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. Um, and it's going to affect our sport some too, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I will make clear, though, you know, you talked about your daughter. Beebs is not my son, right? Beebs is not part of my family. He's he just one of my assistant. He is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if you ask my wife, we've taken him in as a son. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's scary. But, yeah, no, it's going to affect us, right? Like, uh, I know there's already been a bunch of games canceled. Um, and, and there's surely going to be some more as this comes up through the middle of the, the country, you know, I don't know where it's going to be on Thursday, but you think guys that are playing on Thursday, I mean, it's a big storm. So it's going to, it's going to knock out some games you would think with the weather and the rain and all that kind of stuff, which this time of year, we have to deal with that some. And I think, um, you know, we'll talk to Brian a little bit, but again, another push to spread out the season here in the fall may make some sense. And, uh, and some of those kind of things. Yeah, I think and Brian will fill us in on some legislation that's out there and, and things like that. But we can't afford uh, canceled games. You know, we have such a packed right. schedule um, when you lose a game. And, and we lost one early. Um, and the, uh, there's just there's no way to make it up. There's nowhere to put yeah. it, you know. And, um, and, and, and look, we want to play games, right? Yes. We want to play games. And I can tell you, I have a team that wants to play games after not playing games last yeah. year. Yeah. So uh, anything you lose is, is uh, really disappointing. Yeah, we lost one already, too, and, and certainly worried about we play Thursday down in Mobile against South Alabama as scheduled, and, you know, they took, took a good brunt of this. So hopefully um, hopefully they're okay and they can dry out and we can get down there. But, yeah, it's going to impact some They have power right now, yep. Uh, we yeah. talked to actually the people at the hotel, and they're rolling right now, but they're, you know, a staging site for, for a lot of people that are going to go in and help in New Orleans, I think, so – a little crazy. Those of us that live in the South for a long time, that those things happen. It's hurricanes are no joke. So anyway, shall we, uh, shall we move on and bring in the uh, big deal? Are we ready for that, Chris? Are you prepared for we that? Are, and, and, and we have to talk about his, uh, our new logo that features the big deal, Brian Lee. It, it does feature the big deal. And, and Chris, tell me, by the way, did you not do some stats on the pod on the podcast? Oh, yeah. I did. I, I, I did. Uh, I, I did some research. I was trying to figure out, how we were doing, you know, mm-hmm. how was this thing going? And uh, I found out that um, if a podcast in the first seven days of a new episode gets more than 231 downloads, um, it is in the top 10% of all podcasts. So we, really? are, we exceed 231, honestly, 
every podcast. Easy. Oh yeah, smoke it in seven days, please. Yeah, we we're smoking time. that number. That's yeah, awesome. That's fantastic. Cool. So top ten percent, Matt. We are. That's, I used to talk about us, you know, because we were in the top fifty percent and we were absolutely right. average, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we are now elite. We are elite, Chris. I like it. We're elite. I like it. Um, well, part of it is and why we are doing some new brand rebranding, right? We rebranded our logo yes. Yes. to add in Brian. We felt like that was important. So anybody that's ever seen the Flintstones and you think about Mr. Magoo, or not Mr. Magoo, sorry, the gazoo. No. The, <laughs> the gazoo <laughs> that looks like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> uh, little Brian's head's popped in there now. So, yes. uh, so Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on with us in College Soccer Nation on this Monday night. But that, that's, as, as usual, that's a really nice and complimentary. <laughs> I'll say this, you know, when I saw it, I thought, you know, kudos to the caricaturist. I think that thing is better looking than I am. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm all for it. I'm sending it around, showing it to people. Hey, there I am. I think it's a very nice version of me. I don't know who does the caricatures, but uh, big thanks to them. You know what was funny, I, I thought, was when we did the first edition and it was just me and Matt on it and we both looked stupid, right? Mm-hmm. You were so for, oh, yeah, oh. you got to put that out. Oh, there. yeah, good, yes, yes. And then when we came out with the second edition that had you in it, you were like, it's awful, don't use it. Don't no, use it. can't do that. No, no, that's so true. So true. Surprise, I'm, I'm surprise. Not you. I'm not following <laughs> Let's give us right. some soccer talk, Chris. Yeah, big results. You ready, Brian? Yeah. Sure. All right, I'll read, I'll read off a bunch of them like usual, and, and you can comment at the end on any one of these that, that you'd like, okay? Yeah. Uh, BYU 2, USC 1, Santa Clara, defending champs 2, Seattle 2. LSU sweeps the uh, two AAC Flor- uh, Florida teams, South Florida and Central Florida. Notre Dame beats Wisconsin 2-1. to one. Texas A&M on fish camp night. Uh, beats uh, Clemson three to one. Florida State goes out to Colorado, wins two to one. Penn State two, Hofstra one. Georgetown with a nice win against Texas two zero, and Duke continues to roll two nil over Vandy. Any of those stand out to you? Hey, there's a lot in there. You know the Seattle match. Kudos to them. That's a tremendous result and kind of follows the theme of mid majors doing really well against the elite teams early. Um, A&M, season saver. You know, it's early, but I don't think they could have afforded to fall in an 0-3 hole, regardless who they were playing. And that was a really convincing win. That's one of the ones I watched live, and I thought they were a better team on the night. And, you know, the interesting couple little tidbits on Georgetown, Texas. I think Texas doubled them up in shots and doubled them up in corners, and it was 2-0 Georgetown. Wow you know, really a, a squeaker on it. So a um, bunch of interesting results. It's still early, but if you're played four games, you're somewhere between 20 and 25% through your season as well. So the results mean, mean more than we would think early in the season. Yeah. Some, some, uh, I, I, I agree. Some really interesting results. And I, I don't know that there were a lot of great matchups this, this past week, mm-hmm. but certainly the ones we mentioned were important ones. That was, I mean, USC in a little bit of a hole now too, with the with the loss to BYU, right? It's a, you know, it's interesting, right? Some of these really big crowds and big stadiums, and um, it has an effect. There's no no two ways around it. You can't tell me the Fish Camp game down at A and M didn't really help the, those uh, those players for A and M. And same thing at BYU, right? That's packed house at there, as as you guys both talked about. Playing there is a very difficult spot to play, and um, you know, got the big win against a, a very good USC team. Yeah, both those games. What what advertisements for college women's soccer? Five thousand plus up in BYU, and A and M had to be close. That was a sold out uh, show, and the the fan involvement was was really important to me in that game. That was a jazzed up A and M team, for sure. You uh, you have some overreactions for us? All right, are we ready? We're ready. Let's see if we can get Two this one. Two of the this overreactions, <laughs> and. Then, you know, sometimes we get an overreaction from Matt about the overreaction. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. Number one, overreaction, fact or fiction. 
with Hofstra, Western Kentucky, Seattle, Utah Valley, Lipscomb, Gonzaga, Xavier, Denver, Navy, Butler, among others, already showing their chops. Fall 2021 will be the year of the mid-major. Fact <laughs> or fiction? What does showing their chops mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, showing their wares, getting good results. Yeah. There. Showing their chops. Well, I would say that that is fiction. That's it? That's all you got? You don't have an explanation? I'm waiting for yours, and then we discuss it. I'm waiting for yours, and we'll discuss it. I'm going to say it is fiction as well. And But the reason I'm going to say it is fiction is that last season, the mid-major won the national championship. So... It's hard to say that that's not the year of the major. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it. I'm going to say this is how I look at it, a little, little bit how I look at it. All right? We're all big baseball fans, right? What happens in the first part of the baseball seasons? No hitters, right? No hitters. Big things happen, stats, all this kind of stuff happens because the teams aren't played in and they're not ready, really rolling. They're not firing on all cylinders. And so you have some of these big surprise upsets, so on and so forth. And I think that's what we set. That's what we're seeing right now in this early season. But if you look at the ACC came back to reality a little bit, didn't it? Um, and, and lost some Not games and tied some games. Yeah, a little bit. I said a little bit. I said a little bit. They're 44, <laughs> five and three. That's not <laughs> coming back that much. As compared to 24 unbeaten. Of course, that doesn't really make my point because they're one of the Power five. So that's it. Anyway, um, so I, I still think, yeah. What's the next one, Brian? That wasn't bad. I like that one. All right. Fiction and fiction. All right. Wait, what, what was the Butler? Who did Butler upset? Mm, I don't know. Just one of the power fives. Maybe Northwestern, someone like Northwestern, that. I believe. Yes. Okay. And Butler's good. That's, yes. You know, rough first week, but all right. Number two. Yeah. After sweeping top 20 AAC programs on the road, Central Florida and South Florida, LSU will be a major player for SEC hardware this fall. Fact or fiction? I'll start, Matt. Oh, okay. you probably can't answer this one. because No, I'm not going to. You're yeah. not going to, right. Yeah, I don't you're, know why you're asking that. You're always scared of these things. Yeah, I am scared. I'm yeah. scared. Petrified. Okay. <laughs> And Brian, you're going to have to Chris. you're going to have to answer. I, I'm going to go with fiction um, uh, for hardware. You you said for hardware, so we're I talking said hardware. Yes, he did. yes. yeah, I, yeah. I, I look. I think they've they've done really well. Um, I think they've made great progress. Um, I think they've put themselves in a position where if they do what they're supposed to do, they can be an NCAA tournament team. But winning the league is a whole different story, and uh, I, I don't quite believe they're they're at that level. I'll sub in for Matt. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it starts. The uh, Matt, we you can give us some non-biased stuff. Is SEC doing some double weekends this fall? Do you have some Thursday Sundays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back to the normal ten game season with two games on a weekend. So the one thing I do think about them, and you saw it this weekend, and it might have been Matt who brought it up even while we were watching the games. The their ability to rotate the squad and their depth is on those Sunday games in the SEC, that is going to be a huge advantage over almost everybody. I can't think of another SEC team that's that deep in quality coming off the bench. So when the year started, they were my sleeper pick, but that was a little aggressive really in my mind, really. I was just like, they're going to finish top six. Now maybe I think they can do it. Okay. All right, number three. Hard back. Number three in the final one. Hearkening back to a comment Chris made while we were discussing number one. In soccer, we should refer to a power seven, not the common power five phrase, as the WCC and AAC again are batting 500 against the power five and return the defending national champion. So instead of using the phrase power five, that phrase for soccer should be power seven, fact or fiction. You understand? Can we go, Chris? Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I, I think that's fair. I think in college soccer, it absolutely fits. I think if you look 
obviously you have BYU, you have Santa Clara, you have Portland back in the day. Now you have teams like Central Florida that have been to Final Fours and South Florida that does well and SMU and, and Memphis. And those, those teams are, you know, you take Memphis, throw them in our league, they're going to finish, you know, higher than most. Um, same thing with the other ones. I think if you mix those teams into some of these Power Five leagues, they would do just fine. And obviously the national champ was a – was a uh, was a was not part of the Power Five, so yes, I'm going to go. I like that. So whatever that one was, fact should be it should be the t- the Power Seven. I'm going to go fiction because I okay. believe it should be the Power Eight because oh. I, I believe the Big East should be involved in this. Ooh. I, I think the Big East is, is shown to be uh, quite good, and their winning percentage is is really good right now. In fact, it might be second um, among among all the conferences. So. I, I, if we were talking about eight, yeah, I, I think so. That's interesting. It really, I thought about the Big East when I was developing the question, but what the WCC and AAC have are at least three traditional year in, year out NCAA tournament teams. You, know, you, you can almost guarantee they're going to get three bids, right? The question. Right. Right. Um, whether they might, you know, squeak a fourth in the Big East in recent history has been so reliant on Georgetown. It's fantastic. Final four, yes. you know, solid top 10 team. And probably if you combine all of those, Georgetown's in the last decade has been the best program. Yeah. Right? Other than Santa Clara winning the national championship and qualify that. Yeah. Um, but consistently, multiple final fours, top 10. Um, but interesting topic. All right, that's all I got. That's it. All right, we're going into the uh... – Brian, what you're saying now is we're going into the team of the weeks, right? That's right. Team of the All right. All right. Who's going first? Okay, I'll go first. All right, Chris, go for it. Um, for my team of the week, I'm a little biased on this one, but I'm going to go with Miami. With mm. a big win against Florida, an overtime win. That's a um, – that's an important win for their program. Um, first of all, you know, if you're at Miami and you're playing Florida, it's a big rivalry. And, you know, I don't know that Miami is lately has been win, beating Florida in a lot of sports anyway. Um, so for Miami to get the overtime win, um, really happy for, for that staff and, and Sarah and her group and um, huge, huge uh, win for, for Miami. All right, I'll go next. I was testing Brian if he knew who Butler won because that was my team of the week, obviously. That, that's what I was picking. So after getting beaten by Michigan 5 nothing, Butler comes back to beat Northwestern and Illinois. I knew Brian wouldn't know. That's why I brought it up. So anyway, no, Northwestern and Illinois. Uh, great, great wins from Butler. My team of the week, Butler. All right, my team of the week, uh with an honorable mention to LSU with the nice Florida sweep is A&M. You know, it's a proud mm-hmm. program and they had to have that win against a very good Clemson team. And not just that they won the game, the style in which they won the game, because they hadn't played great those first two games. And they, they looked uh, much, much, much improved and right back in the talks of SEC title co-favorites with Arkansas. All right, good. So next one is uh, upset of the week. I'm going to go first on this one. Go good, Chris? Yeah. I'm going to take the Niagara Purple Eagles knocking off Syracuse. Four, two. So at Syracuse. So knocking off a big power five. It's got to be a big win for Niagara. Um, you know, they're in, you know, outside of Niagara Falls, obviously. Um, but happy for them in the, I believe they're in the MAC. Um, but great win up there at Syracuse. So my team is Niagara. Brian, go ahead. All right. CUSA, Western Kentucky, three, Vanderbilt, two. Two penalties and an indirect free kick in the box. Job done. Massive upset for the Hilltoppers, who've been good for the last 18 months. They had a good spring as they, well. Yeah, they have. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to stay in the state of Florida. And I'm going to go with Lynn University Division Two, beating Florida Gulf Coast. Florida Gulf wow. Coast traditionally been a been a, a quite a good team, uh, but Lynn and, and that's uh, Jimmy Blankenship's old school as yes. well. Yes, yes. Um, right. So huge win for Lynn. 
uh, huge, huge upset. Wow. Okay, Chris. Wow, that's an interesting one. Digging deep, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going after a little bit. Uh, not as good as my Butler pick, but not bad. All right. Um, good. What else we got for Brian? Oh, let's talk Brian legislation a little bit, please. If we could. Okay, just, um, yeah, go ahead. Just a couple quick ones, you know, for the coaching community that follows the pod. We are, there is uh, two significant things on the horizon. Summer access to the student athletes is, is uh, having another round through NCAA legislation. Um, the NCAA just announced they're trying to streamline uh, the processes legislation through. So now this can happen in January. Um, and again, we've got full support for it as we have before, but the last time it came through, we were in low COVID stage and things kind of torpedoed and it got left on the back burner. Uh, so what does that, that look like, Brian? What, what does that look like, summer access? I want to say it's, it's it, this off the top of my head, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say it's like six to eight weeks of certain number of hours. Four hours a week, I think. Four. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. You know, that's got, that's not a power five pushed legislation. That's got plenty of mid-major support. As but well. I, I like it. Um, it's going to make our, uh, our lives a lot more difficult, uh, you know, cause now you're running practice, you got camp going on, you got recruiting going on all at the same time now. Um, but I like, I like having access. Certainly I, I like having access to the team. Well, and you bring up a really good point. One of the issues we've had as a coaching community is a lot of times we, we have a segment of our population goes against anything that would create more work, whether yeah. it's for the betterment of the student athletes or the betterment of the game, especially. Um, that's where a lot of our legislation fails and yeah. enough in-house support for it. So yeah, hopefully that's a step forward and a good sign for our coaching community as well. If we can yeah. get it. And the other big one, yeah. so, um, you know, we've, we've all heard the various variations of, uh, extended seasons, uh, you know, two semester models, all that kind of stuff. So we've been working hard on a, on an extended season proposal that keeps whole season in the fall. Uh, coach G up at A&M's put a lot of legwork in behind this. It's got support from every conference. Um, the idea is just moving the season from 12 to 14 weeks. Pretty simple. Get the standardized start date that we all want, August 5th, or sorry, August 1st. Uh, mm -hmm. The games would start two weeks later. Uh, so we'd start around the same time. The season would play those extra two weeks, 12 to 14. The NCAA tournament would begin the weekend after Thanksgiving. And the, the tournament would finish about, I think it's 11 days later. Uh, the NCAA, the actual tournament format being proposed is games every four days. So uh, that would allow us to have a college cup that includes eight teams instead of four, following the softball baseball model. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the success of Kerry last year. I thought when we got to that sweet 16, it was fantastic. Everybody in the same place, the environment was, was first class. Uh, the big part of this is the initial proposal starting in 2025, but with the NCAA's recent announcement of streamlining legislative processes, we might be able to get this in the cycle sometime between January and April, which would expedite and move that up a couple of years. Right. That one for sure. I like that. Yeah. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. You know, Chris, we're really fortunate to have the access to this kind of knowledge I from know, Brian. I mean, we, you know, I know he's just a small little picture on our, on our cover, but he, you know, he brings, he brings it every he single does. week. He doesn't. He How could we do it without it. him? I mean, really, it wouldn't be a show without him. That's why he's the big deal. No, no doubt about it. And a lot of facets of my life, people think that way. Yeah, <laughs> no question about it, Coach. All right, Brian, thank you. We got to move on. We got a really extremely interesting Power Five coming at you. See you guys. Um, after we talk to Nancy, any, any words on Nancy real quick? Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of the icons of our game. You know, I think the ultimate thing – uh, or respect you could pay to a coach is to say you'd want your kid to play for them. And certainly we've all got coaches we think one way or another, another way of. And Nancy would be right at the top of my list if my daughter was a college soccer prospect. I would be pushing her toward Boston U and playing for Nancy. So I'm anxious to hear what she's got to say. Great coach, great leader, 
uh, I, I'm sure this is going to be a really interesting interview. Big time compliment to her, isn't it? It is. And I mean, it's just, she's at such a good school and she's a great coach, great person. It's uh, outside of me not liking Boston just because of the Red Sox. Yeah. There's nothing really bad about it. Anyway. All right. Thanks, Brian. We'll get, we're going to get to her. Thanks, See Brian. See you guys. All right, Chris, very excited to bring in our next guest and a long line of guests we've had. This is a really exciting one for me. I got to tell the story before I bring her in, but Nancy Feldman is our guest and, and she's had just an unbelievable career Boston you, but I got to know Nancy really well the last couple of years, right? I don't know the, the movie Forrest Gump, right? And uh, Forrest is getting on the bus for the first time. So when I got to know Nancy, I was on the NCAA committee, and I get on. It's kind of like I'm getting on the bus like Forrest, and I'm walking, and everybody's saying, seats taken, seats taken. I get to Nancy, and she's like, oh, sit down, kind of like Jenny did, right? We became two peas in a pod. No one else wanted to know me. But 11-time coach of the year, 13 conference champions, 13 conference tournament champions, Big-time coach, Nancy Feldman. Nancy, welcome to College Soccer Nation. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. I'm surprised you didn't tell the story yet about the uh, driving in North Carolina. But <laughs> that's coming. I'm sure that's coming. <laughs> um, all right, so, Nancy, what we'd like to do to start is, is uh, have you take a few minutes and give us your path, like kind of how it started, how did you get to Boston, the U, how did it all kind of work out for you and, and right to the point where you are now? Sure. Um, well, I'm from around here. So Boston University was actually a place I applied to when I was a college, uh, high school senior. Uh, they did not have a women's soccer team. Um, that was one of the reasons I chose not to go. And I went to the University of Massachusetts. I was from Needham, Mass. So 15 minutes away, 20 minutes away. Um, we also couldn't afford it. <laughs> that was reality. So um, uh, my path, my collegiate path took me to University of Massachusetts and I was going to um, pursue a career in environmental and occupational health, and I applied to medical school, and I did not get in. Uh, and so I started coaching um, with a friend of mine up in New Hampshire uh, because I had spent summer uh, summers in New Hampshire at a camp, YMCA camp. And John Skelton offered me a job to coach with him, his boys' JV soccer team at Kennett High School. So I did that, and um, it was about nineteen. I, I coached girls soccer at Danvers right after I graduated. So I dabbled a little bit. My father was a pharmacist, but he was a volunteer coach and he was an athlete when he was younger. So I, sports was a big part of our family. So long story short, I coached with John. I went to my um, first coaching course, uh, NSCA coaching course. And I think it was 86 down in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And um I was the only female out of 60 candidates. It was a little intimidating. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, uh, but um, got through it. And you know, then I applied to graduate school um, to get a degree in exercise and sports studies in a program at Smith College that allowed me to coach while I was, in fact, required me to coach while I was there. So I coached at Smith and then I coached at UMass, my alma mater with Kelly Kenny Bonda, who had been my college coach. And we happened to be in the NCAA Final Four, uh, which we hosted in 1987. Um, the only time ever it will be played in Massachusetts ever again, <laughs> because it was about 20 below zero. Yes. <laughs> um, Michelle Akers was on the other side of the field uh, mm. playing for Central Florida. I mean, it was, you know, it was historic. Um, so um, after that, I got my first uh, full-time coaching gig after grad school at Lake Forest in Illinois. And then at Plymouth State, two Division Three schools. At Plymouth State, I was really lucky uh, because they were a national powerhouse in Division Three. I took over for a guy by the name of Phil Rowe, and I coached soccer and basketball there. I coached soccer and softball at Lake Forest, and then um, the job opened up at BU. Uh, actually, before the job opened up, my dad was ill, um, and I wanted to get closer to Boston to be with him. So uh, he had seen in the Boston Globe that Boston University was starting a women's soccer team in 1994. He saw it in the Globe, so I happened to he said, why don't you call the AD? I said, dad, that's not how it works. They, they don't even, they don't have it posted yet. Uh, but he was uh, persistent. So I did. And I ended up having a sit down with the athletic director and the assistant athletic director and had a chit chat about what I would do if I had a chance to be the soccer coach at Boston university. The job formally opened in April of 95. Uh, my dad had already passed away, unfortunately, but I um, went for the interview. I knew them because I had sat with them. Mark Corian applied for the job. We know he's a pretty good coach. Um, <laughs> Peter applied for the job. 
But I think that um, they were certainly had a much more accomplished resume than I did. But I think what the Boston University was looking for was someone who was going to integrate the club team into the varsity program um, by allowing those gals a chance to play. And I had uh, told them that I would be committed to do so. So um, that's what we did. And, uh, you know, I, I just landed in the right place at the right time is what happened. So I'm coaching in my hometown and at a school that I coveted when I was a high school senior. And, um, you know, maybe I would have been an okay doctor, but I think this has worked out okay. <laughs> um, so 11 times coach of the year, 13 conference champions, 13 conference tournament titles. So my question for you, Nance, is how have you maintained excellence over such a long period of time? Because that's really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, well, 2018 was our last conference championship and uh, NCAA tournament appearance. So, you know, guys, uh, I don't feel like, I feel like that was ages ago because I feel like I've been through COVID and through, you know, one or two, you know, the year 2019 before COVID, I feel like, you know, we didn't achieve. And so it seems like a long time ago, but um, yeah, we're really proud. I mean, Boston University has been a place that has supported the program. So that's number one is that they've supported it um, at a really high level with scholarships, with um, resources, with support staff. And it's a really attractive school. Uh, academically, we are in a, in a wheelhouse where a lot of the female soccer players that are coming out of high school or coming out of the club programs want the academic environment that Boston University offers and the prestige. And, um, and so I think that, um, and the city of Boston certainly sells itself. If someone wants an urban environment, whether they're from New England or they're from California, um, or the Midwest, which we recruit really well from now. Boston's a pretty attractive place to go to school. And, uh, and so I've, you know, I've landed in the right spot to be able to create a successful program. But, but we've also worked hard. And I think um, we've tried to develop a culture that has been you know, value-based from the get-go and process-oriented and really, not, uh, really staying true to that and trying not to let the pressures of winning um, affect you know, the things that I've always believed were important. And that's um, trying to support kids, women to realize their full potential and um, to help develop them as people and as players and, and to stay that course. So I guess it's just being a little bit older when I first got the job, I wasn't, you know, a, a new coach. I think I had a pretty good sense of what I wanted it to look like, what I wanted the values of the program to look like. And I tried to stay true to that. Nancy, how you doing? I'm doing okay. <laughs> My son is home from London. We're going out to dinner a little bit. Oh, He's good for you. We've seen him in 18 months. Uh, so that's fantastic. Wow, awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm glad that uh, Matt has let me speak here for a minute or two since <laughs> he's been talking the whole time. But um, I did want to ask you, you, you've had really a fantastic career and, and have been such a, a leader in, in the sport. You have to have other universities, athletic directors knocking on your door every day. How have you fended them off? Um, has there been a time where you thought eh, maybe, you know, maybe there's something out there that, uh, that I might want to look into, or, or are you just so ingrained in where you are and um, you know, this is just the place for you. I did. I did entertain it when Boston University had a, a AstroTurf field. I had hit my limit. Um, that was before it was a WUSA was the first women's league, right? Yeah. So WUSA, yeah. the Boston Breakers came to BU in 20, it must have been 2001 when they started the league. So right, just before that, um, I had, had I hit my limit on the facility. I mean, I just did not want to be coaching on AstroTurf. So I did um, uh, follow through with a, a reach out. And that was pretty, I came pretty close to leaving. Um, but at the time, uh, my family, I have a partner, um, now my wife, and she had two children. And, you know, it would have been a big move personally and away from my, fam my, my family, my parents, my uh, siblings. So I entertained it. It certainly was at a, at a Big Ten school. And, um, but once that, and, and then BU came back and, you know, they let it be known that they wanted me to stay, which was um, really nice and certainly um, made me think twice. And I stayed and geez, don't you know, a year later, uh, the breakers renovated the field because they made it their home pitch. So, you know, geez, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty glad I didn't jump the gun. Um, yeah. 
that's really the only time I seriously entertain leaving. They've taken such good care of me here at BU. I do feel we can be successful here, even at the national level, certainly at the, at the conference level, but at the national level, um, I feel like we can compete and go toe to toe with some of the programs in bigger conferences. And I felt like grass isn't always greener. I felt like I had it's everything not. I had here. Yeah. That's not. All right, Nancy, here's a hard hitting question for you. Tell us about being a basketball coach. How was that? <laughs> well, I don't have the temperament for it. I can tell you that. Right <laughs> um, it, your brain is just exploding. I mean, I just felt like, my, I don't know how people are basketball coaches. Um, yeah, I, 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 I was, my head would explode because there's so much going on and you have so much control over the action. And um we did really well my last year at, at BU. We actually went to the NCAA tournament um, and we played against Clark and we almost pulled it off. They were a really good team. So I got the hang of it after a while. And I think my temperament got a little bit more, you know, calmer. Um, but um, it was hard. It was hard because you had to be like locked in the whole time. And the thing I love about soccer, I loved as a player was you were free, right? And uh, the thing I love to coach about soccer is mostly <laughs> that we don't toggle the kids too much, um, joystick them around the field, that they mm -hmm. have some freedom out there. That's not the case in basketball. So there was, it was a real contrast in um, the type of sport that you coach and the control that you have um, in the game, which you like to a certain extent, but ultimately is just really not for me. Uh, but I did learn a lot about some techniques that I take from basketball that I apply to soccer. Uh, don't get front cut. Don't get mm. front net. The, the, the golden rule is never get front cut when you're marking something. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's awesome. You know, awesome. Um, I, I, I did read in your, in your bio about your basketball team. And if I remember the record was like 27 and five or something really, really good. Now Matt coached basketball. I did. Uh, some. I did he? Um, Does he have he the temperament part? I don't know, nor the that skill. Or record. My record, the one year as an assistant coach at Hilbert College was one in 27. And the game that we won, the game that we won, ended four versus four because so many players had fouled out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not You're quite the best. Uh, just hit them. Just hit them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Physical. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My father was about, I mean, I, I love, I love all sports. So I love yeah. basketball. I, I love, you know, everything. I love softball. My true love, my first love was baseball, but they didn't let girls sign up at that time um, for playing Little League. But uh, mm. yeah, no, soccer was, um, I don't know, soccer just has everything that I always loved as a player. And so that's why I fell, fell into coaching soccer. But I really probably could have been at the time, you know, again, I'm talking the early years, right? In the As a player, you played everything uh, when you were a girl and you were uh, into sports. And um, early on in the coaching, my models were the coaches that coached everything. Um, and so, um, I could have probably gone in a couple of different directions, but I did truly love soccer when I played it. So cool. You're, um, you've served the, uh, profession in, in all kinds of different ways. You know, you're involved in all different committees and, and activities and, and things like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you've done, you know, to, to sort of give, if give back is the right term? Well, Chris, I followed your lead. I mean, Aaron, um, you know, the people that came before and um, you certainly are a model for me or a model for me. And um, but like uh, coaching education was something I, I, I fell into. And um, Jeff Fennell and Peter Gooding and Doug Williamson. And, and, and I started to have colleagues and camaraderie with Paul Marco and Paul Payne. And so I got really involved in coaching education with the NSCA, now the United Soccer Coaches. And I I felt a response. I enjoyed it, although it was it was really hard because it's not it's not the same thing as coaching players. So you had to it's like I had to learn a new skill, and I wasn't very good at it at first. And um, I don't love being not very good at something because I don't feel very accomplished, and so then I feel a lot of stress. So um, it took me a while to feel like I was competent, but the colleagues kept me around, and I felt like it was important that I was a role model because there weren't a lot of women that were in the coaching education leadership positions. Um, and that has really been very um, rewarding. And I met a lot, I've met a lot of great people 
And I hope I've affected some people in a positive way. And then ODP has been, was another um, arm of my um, career. Uh, Charlotte Moran and Sue Ryan and, and little Rick Copeland and Randy May, they really got me going in Region 1 ODP. And it was, what a treat that was, working with amazing players, amazing coaches, getting opportunity. Chris, I know you've been to Costa Rica and gone on some of those other trips with ODP to Spain and to Germany. And I mean, wow, like it was an awesome development opportunity for me and a chance to work with these really great players and really great kids and, um, and really awesome colleagues. I and mean, it was a really big part of my life there in my early years at BU um, and really supplemented my growth um, as coach. So yeah, those have been the two main things that I've done a little bit of, you know, committee work here and there, just because you get asked. And so I have a hard time saying, no, I, my partner and my wife says now, you know, we had a rule for a long time. If I add something, I have to take something away because I tend to just add things. So it was a plus one minus one, um, but I'm kind of, I'm minusing more now than I'm, than I'm plusing these days. And, um, uh, because I really do want to leave my program whenever, you know, the time comes, I really want to leave my Boston University program in a good place. And it is really hard to juggle all the things they do take you away from my primary responsibility. And I want to do a good job here. Balance, right? Nance, balance is hard for all of us. Yeah. Well, no the women's soccer committee, right? The division one women's soccer. That's right. And I met some wonderful colleagues doing that. I mean, that's really what this whole thing is about. And, these experiences better you and we get to watch up close the, the college cup and watch those coaches work and listen to them. And I mean, it's terrific. And then picking your brain, Matt has, uh, hope I haven't left it completely. No, it didn't take long. Didn't didn't take long. <laughs> no, no. All right. Another question for you, Nance, um, a little bit more soccer wise now, uh, describe to us your team, how they play and what are your key principles? Yeah. If you don't mind. Well, no, Please. I don't mind at all. Um, well, we like to have the ball, although, you know, the last game and a half, you wouldn't think so. Although the second half against Boston College, I was really proud of my crew. Um, we do, I do value and I do try to teach the value of having the ball. And, you know, we've, we've um, um, and that takes, that's a process because not every kid comes with, um, we try to recruit women that have the skill set that know how to solve pressure and feel comfortable on the ball, but not everybody does. And um, that's something that we try to teach and promote and build confidence and build skill. Um, and then the how to not only individually, but collectively, how do you do that? And how do you do that while also, excuse me a sec. I'll meet you there. Em. Okay. I'll meet you, you there. Take, you got to take my car. Okay. okay. Sounds good. Sorry guys. Um, right. How to do that while you also win soccer games. Right. So there's a point where, you know, it's not for the beauty of the game. It's for for function, for for to be able to break down the opponent. But yeah, also, you know, there are times you, the best I would say the best possession is behind the defense. So being able to be always ready to play behind the defense, but doing so intentionally. So I'd say my teams, when they've arrived, um, they have um, had a good mix of possession in front and behind the defense. And then defensively, I ended up I, I think I coached the way I played. Um, I tend not to delay too much delay pressure. Um, even when we've played some teams, we might be overmatched with, I have a hard time sitting back and that's probably, um, you know, maybe we would have won a few more games if we had sat back and countered, uh, but we try to pressure as high up the field as possible. And, um, every boy, you know, there are, I feel very proud that the forwards that played for me at Boston university know how to defend by the time they leave. Anna Helferty is now playing for the Washington Spirit, and she was a forward for us, so played on 7-11. And now she's playing, um, I think, outside back for them. And I think she kind of got herself a spot on that team because not saying that we taught her everything she knew, she came in quite good, but we did um, teach her how to defend. And um, I think it gave her an opportunity to make their roster um, because she had that skill set in addition to her great attacking ability. Yeah. So what else? Um, you know, we keep track of 50, 50 balls and we keep track of, um, uh, and so 50, 50 balls. I mean, I'd love like my team to be in the 60% range of 50, 50 balls, uh, because I think that helps tip the game. Um, yeah, I certainly want my team to be cohesive and play like a unit. I've always 
believe much more strongly in the sum of all the parts versus um, having just, you know, a couple of uh, excellent players that we play to or through. I really believe in the whole sum. So that's how we coach. We coach the unit and we want the unit to be functioning and coordinated. And that's, I, I think when, again, my teams have gotten to the point where they're mature and, you know, we are in swing, but I, I think that that's hopefully what they look like. Great. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your you know, your uh, coaching a, a team that isn't a power five team, right? And we, we all hear in college athletics, all we hear is power five, power five, power five. How are you competing against those sort of power five schools in your area for recruits or in matches? Have you found it difficult? Have you found it maybe different now compared to when there wasn't a power five? Like how, how has that affected you? It is a little different to be, I mean, be quite candid. It is different. Um, it's a little bit harder. Uh, we used to be able to find gals like Anna Helford a year, Kylie Strom who's playing down in Orlando now, or, um, Rachel Blasnalis, who's over in Sweden, or I mean, even a number of gals at um, uh, Jess Morrow and um, Emma Clark and McKenna Doyle. And there's a number of kids that we found that uh, were just below maybe what um, the um, Power Five conferences would find. They're getting harder to find. Uh, because um, they're all playing ECNL and GA, so they're in front of everybody. So um, they and and so it's gotten a little bit more challenging. So how how we've done it and how we will continue to do it is um, we attract the women that maybe aren't getting the big looks from the Power Five, but have um, the what we think project to be. Um, at, right at the cusp of taking another step in their game. And that's a pretty difficult projection. Yeah. Um, we get to know them. We get to know their mentality, the passion, the competitiveness, and we just try to make a guesstimate. Um, and then when they're here, uh, we try to stick to what we want to do and imprint our style. And um, we know sometimes we're up against bigger, stronger athletes sometimes, but uh, we feel like if we can make it a soccer game and, if we're, you know, making a good, playing good soccer um, and value keeping the ball and defend as a unit and are organized that we can do all right. You're, you're, uh, you're describing my, uh, my life <laughs> as a soccer coach <laughs> at, at SMU. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. It's hard. Um, we try to keep the ball, but we get up against these big athletes and it gets really hard to do that. Yes. Uh, and, and it's difficult. But we stick to it, Chris, and I know you do too, because in the end, um, I think that, one, it helps us in conference play. You know, if we really can commit to it and establish it and don't get away from it, and when we play someone that we think it might not be, you know, the best way for us to, you know, to win today, although I still believe we can win today doing that, but um, that we try to, I try to think a little bit long-term. Sure. Like how, is, how are we going to be at the end of the season? Uh, and, and, and to me, if we can be the best we can be at the end of the season and sort of stick to a way that we want to do it. Um, and, and it's hard because, you know, we just took a loss uh, against Boston College and unfortunately lost a tough one against UMass Amherst, who's a very good team, but one that, you know, I think we didn't play particularly well. Um, that, um, you know, there's discouragement and there's a, there's a mental component that if, the, you know, you got to get the kids to believe that this is the way to the promised land. And, it gets harder to do that if they don't see the immediacy of the success, but yeah. I can, I can be fairly convincing. At least I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> you can be. You can. Absolutely. Nance. All right. Uh, we'll get you out of this on Nancy. I do have to say two quick things before your, your last question, but the Nancy, the only negative I see at all knowing you the time I have is that you're a Red Sox fan and you're talking to two big Yankees fans. So yeah, we have that bad. issue. That's yeah, we have that yeah, issue. I wish I had talked to you weeks ago. I would have been, if, uh, yeah. I would have been able to poke at you guys. Now yeah. I, don't have, I don't have too much to say. Although, look in my um in my room here. That's the post the poster of. Oh, uh, nice! That's that, cool. That's the yeah. first championship. What was that? Two thousand and four. Yes, yes. That was the first one since nineteen eighteen, right? Is that that? (laughs) So we'll see. Listen, we're still going for the wild card, and um, yeah, the wheels can still come off. uh, 
the team uh, over there on New York in New York. Yes. Um, and then uh, Chris, so Nancy is a fantastic golfer, by the way. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. We got to play a couple times in Carolina. Excellent golfer. So, um, so she can play every sport, like she said, but Nance, last question. We'll get you out of here. No, you got to get to dinner. Um, just give us a few minutes on, I know you've talked a little bit about it, but, um, Boston, you and why it's such a great place. Well, there's no question the academic, uh, opportunity in all the majors, um, is incredible. You know, I wouldn't get in now. Uh, I got in then, but I wouldn't get in now. Um, so it, it has uh, attracts wonderful students, um, not just athletes, you know, great students. So the bar is high. Our student athletes um, are sitting in the classroom, you know, with kids with, you know, 1,500, 1,550 boards and, um, and it's competitive. So you're going to get a great education. And I just love the liberal arts uh, focus along with the pre-professional. So you can get, you get a degree in physical therapy, you're still getting your core liberal art curriculum. And I, and I believe in that. I think that you want to be able to go to a cocktail party and, and be relatively intelligent to be able to talk about just about anything, right? So um, I think our women are, and our students are well-prepared for their path. Uh, and it's anything from the College of Communications to the School of Hospitality, to the Western School of Business, to um, the uh, law, medicine, and nursing, um, veterinary medicine. We have, and our graduates are in all those areas. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable uh, achieving like a 3-4 GPA average, team average, in a really competitive environment. And of course, the great city of Boston. Um, it is a college town, really. It is you know, with MIT and Harvard and BC and uh, Northeastern, and then they all the flurry of small colleges like Emerson. And, I mean, there's just a ton of college students here. So the average age during September to May uh, is probably 30, 34. And in the summer, it's probably 48. It just, it, it's incredible. They just take over the town. Uh, so it's a fun place to go to school because a lot of college students and there's music and there's art and there's food. It's a foodie place. And so it's just a really fun place and, and a safe place. Um, and then I'd like to think that the consistency in our soccer program with our, uh, our consistency of our culture, um, I think is it's stable and not every place can say they have a stable program. Um, and, and that doesn't mean stable is the best, but I think stable is that, is that, you know, that when you come that, um, you're going to finish and you know, that it's going to be the place you chose. Um, and, um, at least that's the way it's been. And I hope it continues to be that way. Um, and I, and I think that says something because a kid going, picking a school when she's a junior, the way things are going in division one women's soccer, unfortunately, pretty sad. There's a 40% chance she doesn't have the same coach. And that's pretty sick. That's pretty sad. Mm. Um, and that's pretty disruptive to a kid. And so I think we, um, have provided a pretty stable environment here in the soccer with the soccer team. Awesome. Is that, is that a good sales? That's a good, uh, you know, Chris, I told you she'd be very transparent with us and I think she's been just fantastic. Uh, really telling us that, uh, telling us about who she is. So well, Nancy college. Is honor, soccer, okay. It is an honor to be with you too. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm I really thank you so much for having me and giving me a chance to just uh, chit chat with you a little bit and um, tell the story over here. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. That's awesome, Nancy. Listen, good luck the rest of the season. Uh, we'll be watching and cheering for you. Have a good dinner. And again, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. All right, guys. See you uh, soon. Good luck, Nancy. Yeah. Bye. So fun talking to Nancy, isn't it? She's so transparent and such a great person. So and yeah, really. Re really good. That's one of my more favorite interviews for sure. As we look back on season two next year, Chris, something tells me she's going to make the list. It's one of my favorite <laughs> interviews. Anyway, all right. Uh, let's go on. We got a lighthearted, fun, uh, discussion tonight about store bought chips. Yes. Right. Not store. That's bought. the power five. Right. You know what? Yeah. Store bought. Uh, <laughs> I uh, typically thrive in these food categories uh, for obvious you reasons. You are pretty good at them. You are pretty yeah, good. Yeah. 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 So I, I like my five. We'll see how we do. Something tells me we're going to have some similar ones. Hopefully not. But let's go. Uh, qu first quick question, Chris. Yeah. Is a combo a chip? Uh, no. Why not? Because you asked me and I said no. 
<laughs> what about a bugle? What about a bugle? You think a bugle's bugle a bugle could be a chip? Why? What's the difference? Uh, I can't tell you what the difference is. <laughs> what about a funyun? Where are you following the funyun? A funyun would be no, no. I think it is no. It's a vegetable. It's not really. It's an air that kind of tastes like. <laughs> what about what about a pretzel? I guess a pretzel is a chip. Yeah. I don't think it is. See, now that's where I think you're wrong. It's in the chip pretzel aisle and the grocery store. It's in the chip aisle. So the Funyuns. All right. All right. Let's go. Here we go. Who's going? I'm going first. All right. At number five, Pringles, original style. It, that's so overrated, Matt. I mean, really? Are are. Uh, are overrated they're just no fun size no they have a fun shape easy to pop them in your mouth you can eat a bunch of them i like a nice sprinkle all right you're number five fritos oh i got that on there that's my number three i like a nice frito yeah fritos are good especially a little chili (laughs) you're talking yeah Yeah, frito pie delicious all right my number four yeah sour cream and onion with wedges wise brand wise brand you, you got the right, you got the right flavor, but you just don't have the right brand. But yeah, no, okay. no, no, no. You got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. Sour cream and onion wise, they're excellent, Chris. Yeah, excellent. Right. Okay. All right. What's your number four? Kettle is the brand. Sea salt. All right. So here's the deal with kettles. I like them. I do, but they rip my mouth apart. Top of my mouth, they're very soft, sharp. Matt, like you're soft. <laughs> <laughs> I might be soft, but they hurt my mouth. They chew. They're hard. Anyway, all right. My number three is Fritos. So what's your number three? Doritos. No, overrated. Complete. That's where I stopped. Doritos. I was hoping you'd have that. I had no time for Doritos. Overrated. They only because they're advertised. They aren't that Everybody good. Everybody loves Doritos, Matt. Oh, Everybody no, loves no, not on Doritos. Yes. Yeah, see? Not everybody because the, uh, uh, the our producer's putting a thumbs down. I'm not on Doritos. All right. Number two for me, yeah, the original ruffles, dip. Okay, they're perfect, clean, nice chip. So you're you're making my argument for my number two, right? Okay, because it's ruffles, sour cream, and onion. Mm, I like uh, those two. Yeah, that's I like better. those two. No. See, that's better. No, I know issue with that's that. Better. That's better. I don't know if it's better, but there's no issue. The argument. <laughs> there's no issue with any ruffles. I'm quite. I don't like the cheddar kind, but sour cream and onion is good too. All right, and my number one drum roll, please. Cheetos cheese puffs are the best chip on the market, no question. You're yes, leaving something out. <laughs> I am. I miss one. I'm going with Lay's barbecue. I like Lay's. I like Lay's. Yeah, really they're just okay. I'm with the. Oh, I'm with the here. Just they're just okay. It. Right now, you're going. Oh, I like, just killed me. No, uh, not at all. Not at all. It oh and, no! And I you can't have. <laughs> no, you can't have sour cream ruffles and Lay's barbecue. That's that's too similar. They're too similar. It's no, a chip. Not even close. I went with cheese puffs. Get all over your fingers. You see the commercials? The Cheetos on your fingers. It's great. Cheetos are awesome. Oh. Anyway, okay. let's keep we'll moving. See what the audience says. I'll see what the audience thinks. But uh, real quick, my five Pringles, sour cream and onion with Ridges Wise brand with w- Ridges. Sorry, Frito corn chips, Ruffles original, and Cheetos cheese puffs. I have Fritos, Kettle sea salt, Doritos, Ruffles sour cream and onion, and Lay's barbecue. Okay, I do like the Lay's barbecue. That's a good chip. That's a good chip. All right, let's go. What are we looking forward to this week, Chris? Well, here, here are uh, the big matches I, I see. Um, Arkansas, tonight, Arkansas-BYU, correct? That's yeah, half an hour about from now, yeah. Um, Stanford goes to Duke in North Carolina. That should Very be a, exciting. A great weekend, yeah. Yep. Uh, South Florida and Tennessee, TCU-Colorado. Virginia, Santa Clara. That's a that's a really Ooh, good one. That's yeah. a dicey one. Yeah. West Virginia and Penn State. Like Always a good one. game. Yeah. Um, Michigan, Jen going back to play against USC. Yeah. Um, Pitt and TCU. We'll see if if Pitt is for real. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Ole Miss and Sanford again. Matt against the picker. Yeah. Uh, quite an interesting yeah. one there. Quite an interesting. Yeah, yeah. One. Yeah. I don't know how interesting, but it's a game. And Rice in Texas. 
Brian, yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. To, to step up there a little bit. Yeah, love it. Um, no, good week. Good week of games. Excited about it. Um, you guys have Denver on Monday? Yeah, we go to Denver. Play Monday. That okay. should be fun. Yeah. Be yeah. nice to see Jeff Hooker and the squad. It's a good team. So we may have to change the release date next week, right? You may be tough to record this on Monday we'll for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll All right. Listen, um, another good episode. That was so fun talking to Nancy. Brian was good as usual. Um, you know, good week. Let's hope everybody stays safe from the weather and this hurricane just hope, or this tropical storm now blows through quickly. Doesn't mess up a lot of people's schedules and games. Wish everybody luck. Certainly, Chris, good luck with your group. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> College Soccer Nation is out. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.